Folks, no matter what you think of Dennis Gates right now, there is absolutely no way he's going anywhere anytime soon. So let's wrap our minds around that economic reality coming up right now on Locked on Mizzou. You are Locked on Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, all you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. And coming up on the show, I want to talk about a former Mizzou great whose son is one of the absolute elite players of the 2026 high school football class and Gary Pinkle about to be a part of history once again. But before we start the show, I do want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. Now, ladies and gentlemen, while this Missouri basketball season has been an unmitigated disaster, to, to say the least, Dennis Gates is here to stay. There's no doubt in my mind about it. And whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, well, obviously that remains to be seen at this point. And I do think the transfer portal, the the current era that we're in, when essentially everybody can transfer whenever they want and not sit out for an entire year, well, I do think that speeds up the process a bit versus the past and how we judge head coaches in football and in basketball. And to be honest with you, if Dennis Gates were awful in his first year with Missouri, certainly anywhere close to as awful as Missouri has been in year two of Dennis Gates, quite frankly, I'd be ready to move on at this point. I really would. But the reality is Dennis Gates was not awful in his first year. In fact, he was quite the opposite. I think Dennis Gates was really, really good in year one. I think just about all of us who are listening to this program right now can agree with that. So here's the reality. Even if Dennis Gates is awful next season, can you get rid of him? Well, I think economically the answer is quite clearly no, because after the 23 a 24 season. Let's say Missouri wanted to move on from Dennis Gates after this year. Well, that would cost Missouri $25.5 million in terms of a buyout. Even after next season, it would still be over $20 million, $21.5 million. And that's really a key number to focus on there. Again, that's after next season, after the 25 campaign. If Missouri decided, hey, After three years of Dennis Gates, sort of like after three years of Kim Anderson, and to some extent, after three years of Frank Haith, Missouri basically decided they were ready to move on. Well, if Missouri feels that way, again, it's going to cost them $21.5 million. Again, for some context here, of course, Missouri just received its biggest donation, biggest single donation in school history, $62 million. Well, heck, that'd be about one-third of that being chewed up right there. And even more to the point, of course, we can all remember just a few months ago, Texas A&M paid an absolutely obscene $76 million, a a record buyout 
to get rid of Jimbo Fisher down in College Station. That was a record and remains so by a country mile. By the way, 76 million bucks to get rid of Jimbo. Well, second of all time, at least as, as, as best as I could figure out, this is according to 24-7 Sports just from a couple months ago, the second biggest buyout in college football history just so happens to be exactly $21.5 million to Auburn's Gus Malzahn. So again, is Missouri expected to pay the second, what is the equivalent of the second biggest buyout in college football history ever paid to get rid of a coach to a basketball coach when you're in the middle of a, a football era here? Hopefully after 2024, we'll be sitting here talking about another awesome Missouri season, hopefully a college football playoff appearance for the Tigers at the very least. Who knows if that'll end up happening, but the point is, it seems like Eli Drinkwitz and his football program maybe has finally hit hit their stride in year four, and this, this thing is about to take off in a real way. So the last thing you want to do in that scenario is spend $21.5 million getting rid of a basketball coach when, quite honestly, basketball does not drive in that much revenue. Yes, it's a good revenue generator, no doubt about it, but when compared to football, well, there really isn't that much of a comparison. There really isn't. And while Missouri fans have shown that, hey, they'll come out and support a winner, no question about that, well, when the times get tough, Missouri fans, a lot of them tend to get going too. That's sort of the nature of a lot of programs, a lot of fair-weather fans, to be, to be certain. But again, to Missouri fans, basketball fans particularly, I'm talking about here, they will come out when the product is good. So you did want to justify Dennis Gates' first season with, with a contract extension, I suppose. But now, now that that's happened, the reality is Missouri is sort of behind the eight ball here. And, well, and, and although long-term, that doesn't mean you're married to Dennis Gates necessarily. Well, to take a, a different analogy, I guess if in marriage it wasn't for life, if you had to renew like a lease every three years or something like that, that's sort of where Missouri is with Dennis Gates because even after the 2026 season, you're talking about a $17 million buyout for Dennis Gates. So at this point, obviously none of us are happy what's happening right now with Gates. But I think at the same time, you take a you take a step back and you can talk yourself into this working out. If you think this is just a doom and gloom segment, well, that's not exactly what this is. Because I always thought personally, I've thought this for a while now, that last year's team, the 23 Tigers that obviously got our first NCAA tournament win in over a decade, I always thought that team was even better than Dennis Gates himself expected. And obviously this year is worse than what Gates expected. But overall, I still think the plan, and the plan as Gates himself has laid it out, is mostly in place. If you think about his last three recruiting cycles, the, the first one, he, he just showed up at Missouri. That's when he brought in Nick Honor and Trey Gomillion and Des Moines Hodge and DeAndre Golston. Well, the goal there was to field a competitive team 
basically in year one. And like I said, I think they did even better than that. No question about it. So that surprising year one raised expectations in year two, but really the plan all along in that recruiting cycle, really this first true high school recruiting cycle for Dennis Gates was to get a foundational freshman class in year two. Now, whether Trent Pierce and Jordan Butler and Anthony Robinson truly are that foundational class, I think there's a heck of a lot of questions about that at this point, but that was the plan. I think the third step so far has been all systems go because the third step of that plan, this, this next recruiting cycle was about stepping up the caliber of player in recruiting, getting the high star caliber guys for all intents and purposes. And Mizzou taking five freshmen this season in this class, and they would have taken a sixth, by the way, if Jaden Quaintance didn't decide to go to Kentucky. That means to me that Dennis Gates is willing to be patient, and obviously he'll take some stopgap transfers as well, but that can be very miss, as we've seen not just at Missouri, but throughout the country. So I think if Dennis Gates is willing to be patient with this cycle, he's been willing to be patient with this program from the very beginning. It seems like he's executing his plan in terms of recruiting off the court I still think there's a lot of pluses with the guy that he showed that were obvious in the first year. So even though some negatives have shown up in year two as well, I I think we shouldn't give up whatsoever. And quite honestly, economically, there is no case to give up. You can't be paying Gus Malzahn money to Dennis Gates to get rid of your basketball coach. That just simply doesn't make any sense, and no one should be suggesting it for at least another two or three years. And normally, it would be way too early in the process for me to be talking about sophomores in high school, but you know what? When said sophomore is one of the elite players in the state of Missouri and the son of a Missouri, a very famous Missouri alum as well, well, that's worthy of a segment in this podcaster's opinion. So let's get to that here in just a second, but first, I want to tell you about game time because game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events, ladies and gentlemen. And here's the good news. If you want to go to Missouri basketball, well, in just under a week, you can see Missouri take on a pretty good ball club in Tennessee. Wait, maybe that's bad news, actually, considering how Missouri's played lately. But seriously, some really good deals over at game time right now. The best place, absolutely, to get last-minute ticket deals. Scroll through. It's so easy to see exactly where your seats are, the view, the angle, your perspective. You're going to know exactly what you're getting before you even sit down. Game time is truly the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. Take all the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Right now, my users get $20 off their first purchase when they use the code locked on. That's L O C K E D O N for $20 off your first purchase. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. 
Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube, and now it's also available on Amazon Fire TV in the free Fire TV channels app. Again, find Locked On Sports today, now available on the free Fire TV channels app, and of course, on YouTube as well. And I got to tell you, Christian Cantwell, who I actually attended Missouri with for a couple years, the fact that he already has a son who is in high school reminds me once again that, yes, ladies and gentlemen, there's no doubt that I am an old dad. But most importantly, the fact that Christian Cantwell, by the way, for the uninitiated here, Cantwell, one of the great athletes really in Missouri history, I would say, a standout obviously at Mizzou, born in Jefferson City, attended Eldon High School, famously won the gold, or excuse me, the silver medal, I should say, in the 2008 Beijing Olympics in the shot put. So yeah, just a, a massive mountain of a man was Christian Cantwell throwing that big medal thing practically across all of Asia, I would say. So Cantwell, an incredible athlete in his own right, so it shouldn't be a huge shock that his only begotten son, Jackson Cantwell, seems like quite of an athlete in his own right. In fact, according to Rivals.com, he is the number two player, not in Missouri, but in the entire country for all of football. He's an offensive tackle at Nixa, Missouri right now. And one thing about, I'll just say, I haven't watched Christian Cantwell, excuse me, I haven't seen Jackson Cantwell play football for even one snap yet. But I'll just say this, I have high hopes for this young man, not only because he's a, a highly rated guy, there are obviously lots of highly rated guys out of high school that don't necessarily live up to their rankings. Well, here's one thing I'll say. There's a lot of guys who are offensive line prospects that have the the size, the required size that you need to be a standout at that position. Well, Jackson Cantwell clearly has those genetics, but I bet what he also has is his dad's mental makeup as well because here's the thing. I played basketball in high school as a varsity basketball player, played golf, played baseball, all that stuff. Well, I did a little bit of shot put myself, was forced by my junior high basketball coach, in fact, to run track and field, and run is mostly what I did, but on meet days, yes, I would throw the shot put. I was not very good at the shot put. One reason I wasn't very good at the shot put, I never practiced. Why did I never practice? Because throwing a shot put is repetitive, tedious, and kind of boring, right? It is. Just trust me. If you've never done it, throwing shot put, let's just say shooting baskets is, I would say, 700,000 times more exciting, at least to this podcaster. So a big part of Christian Cantwell's success, I would say, was not just the, his, his physical gifts, of course, but the ability to do something repetitive, tedious, and ultimately kind of boring. That's one thing that made Michael Phelps great too, of course. How many people can stare down at the bottom of a pool for five hours a day? Not too many. That takes a certain mental makeup. Well, my point here is that Jackson Cantwell, if he has that type of mental makeup, 
I guarantee you he's going to be a successful offensive lineman because part of being an offensive lineman, it's not just the size. How many people want to go through the grunt work that it takes to be a lineman? Because it's not a lot of glory, to be honest with you. You're just opening up holes for the running back who is going to end up being the prom king. And meanwhile, you're struggling for a date and possibly struggling to fit into your clothes at times. But seriously, I mean, being an offensive lineman, it's just a lot of repetitive work in terms of technique and pushing guys around and just getting knocked around all the time. And and by the way, hitting the weight room all the time as well, keeping up with your diet, all that kind of stuff. It's not exactly the most luxurious, glamorous thing in the world. That is until you get to the NFL and you make millions and millions of dollars because Lord knows that those guys are incredibly valuable at that level, at the SEC level where you can name, image, and likeness and all that stuff. So anyway, this is just a long way of saying that, hey, Jackson Cantwell, number two player in the country according to rivals right now. Well, obviously Missouri is certainly in on him already, but the entire country, including Georgia, Alabama, Oregon, you name them, they're going to be in on him too. So it's going to be a hard fight to get that young man. Hopefully, Missouri's connection to his father will help win the day. And obviously, hopefully, Jackson Cantwell is a future Tiger. Let's talk about a recent former Tiger, Chris Abrams' drain. Well, Jim Nagy, who's an NFL scout, actually brother of Matt Nagy, the Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator, he's been talking a lot about the Senior Bowl online and specifically about a lot of Mizzou prospects. On his X feed, he says, one of the biggest winners from Zebra Technology data during Senior Bowl week was Chris Abrams' drain. Before Mobile, Chris Abrams' drain was regarded as one of the highest football IQ pattern reading ball hawks in in the 2024 draft. The thing with dialed-in corners is they're rarely out of position, so it's usually hard to gauge their true speed. Drain was was the second fastest player, not just at corner, at the Reese's Bowl this year at 21.34 miles per hour. Now that we know he can run, run like that, Chris Abrams' drain's stock is way up for the rest of the process. So I thought that was a really interesting observation there that a guy like Chris Abrams' drain who is good at reading, basically he's saying he's a smart player is what he's saying, is he reads the receivers, their route trees, their patterns, and is able to basically cut at the same time they are. To, to put it as best I can. So I just thought that was an interesting observation that if guys who have really good instincts are rarely out of position, well, it's kind of hard to gauge their makeup speed on the field. Well, obviously putting that tracking data on him at the Senior Bowl has done Chris Abrams' drain a lot of good. Hey, there's been a lot of talk that Ennis Rakestraw is a first-round pick. I wouldn't completely rule out Chris Abrams' drain being a first-rounder either. We shall see. And coming up, former Missouri football coach Gary Pinkle is going to be making some history next season. Let's hope that he can help Missouri 
make some history next year as well. I'll tell you what I'm talking about here in just a moment. But first, let's talk about FanDuel. It's time to get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all your NBA on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and of course futures for the NBA title as well. I think FanDuel has the right four at the top in terms of favorites, the Bucks, the Clippers, the Nuggets, and the Celtics. The only team that's off the board at 30 to 1 to me, the Philadelphia 76ers. If you think there's any chance Joel Embiid comes back this season for the playoffs? Well, the Sixers have a legit chance to win the whole thing in my mind. Not saying he's coming back. Not saying I have any insight there. I'm just saying that's the only long shot to keep an eye on, in my opinion. So just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. So Gary Pinkle will be part of the college football playoff selection committee for the next three seasons. So that means the first ever 12-team football college football playoff will be selected in part by our own Gary Pinkle. So hopefully Gary can push Missouri over the finish line next season if necessary, get us into the 12-team playoff. But you know what? His bias Maybe overridden by that of Mac Rhodes, Missouri's erstwhile athletic director. Mac seemed so enamored with Columbia, Missouri, he made it a whole 12 months, I believe. About about one year, I think, Mac made it. It may have even been about 10 months or so, if memory serves serves me correctly. I don't think he even made a full calendar year with the Tigers. But of course, just an interesting note there. Obviously, I'm being a little bit sarcastic about that entire thing in terms of Pinkle pushing us across and Mac Rhodes holding us back and all that good stuff. So just thought that was an interesting note there. And obviously, congratulations to Gary Pinkle on on quite an honor. No question about that. But speaking of interesting notes on the football field here, just a couple things before I get you out here. Just my favorite stat of the offseason. I may have said it here before, but once again, I just thought it was worth sharing it to you once again. Marquise Speedy Johnson this past season averaged 25 and a half yards per target, not 25 yards per catch. He averaged 25 yards every time Brady Cook or indeed Luke Bauer threw him the football. Holy moly. Now, he's not going to put up those numbers again next year. I can almost promise you that. But Marquise Johnson, I'm telling you, he's a good one. I expect a breakout season from him in 2024. And finally, I was went on a bit of a rant a few days ago about zone defense in basketball and how, well, there's not a lot of great examples 
from history of programs leaning on zone defense and that working out over the long term. Of course, Jim Beheim is the ultimate example of zone defense working for somebody over the long term. I also mentioned John Chaney's Temple Owls and their matchup zone as well, but I was struggling to think of a third example, put it out to all of you out there, and you know what? I was not disappointed. Ed Reed, 98-94 on YouTube a few days ago, said, UNLV ran a zone defense that Jerry Tarkanian called the Amoeba defense. Well, you know what, Ed? That is an absolutely fantastic call by you. It really is. Great memory because indeed UNLV did run that amoeba defense quite a bit during their big successful run to the national championship. Coach K for Duke, Mike Shashevsky, of course, he he really credited Tarkanian with being one of the great defensive minds in basketball of all time. And, you know, that's, that amoeba defense was really aggressive in terms of challenging the strong side of the court, trying to force turnovers and all that stuff. I don't know if that would work nearly as well in the modern era where teams are much more adept at using the three-point line, especially on the weak side of the court. But there is no doubt that that amoeba defense no doubt helped the running Rebels go all the way. Not something that obviously was successful for you know multiple decades like it was for Jim Beheim in his 2-3 zone at Syracuse. But even so, a great example there. Although I do say Despite the fact that we got a third example now, none of them have really been, other than Jim Beheim, have existed in the past 20 to 25 years or so. So while great example there by Ed Reed, I think all of this and the fact that nobody else really had any other examples kind of proves my point about zone defense. When you've gone to a zone defense, that, my friends, is probably 99 times out of 100, that's an admission of defeat. But you know what? I don't think it's been an admission of defeat whatsoever to listen to Locked On Mizzou today. In fact, I think you are one of the true winners in all of the internet. I can promise you that. But seriously, thanks for listening. As always, thanks for telling another true son or daughter about this program. You can find all the pertinent links over at LockedOnMizzou.com. Find the show on YouTube, Spotify, the SiriusXM app, Apple Podcasts, literally whatever you can get podcasts. I'm pretty doggone sure you're going to find Locked On Mizzou. And oh yes, ad-free over at Amazon Music as well. So until next time, I am John Miller, and this has been Locked On Mizzou.